Today's sponsor is Audible, which has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. If you have questions about technology and you've been too embarrassed to ask, well, you found the right podcast. Our motto is, no question is a bad question. So send us yours. Submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode, to me, at Kara Swisher, or to my regular co-host, Lauren Good, at Lauren Good, with the hashtag too embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in embarrassed in case you cannot spell. And you can find all our past episodes on iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. And while you're there, leave us a review. Lauren Good is not here this week. She's cavorting in the islands of Hawaii. But in her place, I have a fantastic co-host, Dan Fromer, editor-in-chief of a little site I like to call Recode. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. This is your first time, right? Yes, if on this show. If you do well, we can kill Lauren. I'll oh. you understand that, right? No, no, sure. let's not do that. All right, okay. We like Lauren. So you just came on as editor, and you're doing all kinds of new things. Yeah, a lot the of new things. Site. It's been um, fun so far. And one topic that's important to us is robots. Correct? Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, drones, robots, and all kinds of things. And so in a few minutes, we have a special guest, Chris Jones from iRobot, to help us understand what's happening in this space. But before we do that, let's set the stage a little bit, Dan. So what do you want a robot to do for you? Talk a little bit about the space and why it interests you and why you want to do more coverage at Recode. I think it's very interesting for a lot of reasons. First of all, robots can do things that humans can't or don't want to do mm-hmm. and they don't really well we'll find out if they complain i don't really right. know if they complain mm-hmm. what's really interesting to me though is the opportunity for robots to do things uh that we would normally do that we don't like doing um and i was talking with a entrepreneur friend of mine and he said the most compelling case for robots are in situations where once we teach them to do something if we had to do it again we would get angry or or if it was taken away from us we would get upset that's Mm -hmm. really where they're gonna shine and of course that has medical implications but even things out of convenience like washing your dishes or Mm -hmm. cleaning your ironing your clothes or something like Mm -hmm. that and of course dangerous situations too absolutely dangerous or you know anything that involves a lot of repetition or you know things like i don't know cooking farming that kind of stuff have you ever owned a Roomba? i have um, I was mean to the original versions because it didn't. What clean. did you have? I don't, I've the never original, actually had. I did a, a one good of my robot. reviews of it. Yeah, I did. Didn't clean very well. The, the first one didn't clean. The new. Oh, ones the Roombas. Were, yeah, the Roombas. You didn't yeah. Mean. No, Otherwise, my parents had that. I don't think I've ever lived anywhere big enough to have to have. I need one for sure, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do you own any robots? I don't currently own a robot. And let, just, Amazon Echo is not a robot. That's sort kind of, of just like a, a portal, right? Yeah, I guess. The, it's a talking something. Yeah, talking computer. I don't currently have a robot. And robotics or artificial intelligence, which one is more interesting to you? Are they both, do you feel like they're the same thing? They're I think not. they're kind of linked. I mean, yeah, one is li- robots might be the hardware manifestation of artificial intelligence in some ways. I mean, they, certainly you would want a robot to have good AI skills. And it's kind of neat. Have you seen any of these YouTube videos where they're like teaching robots yes. how to pick up different sized Actually, the robots are teaching themselves how to pick up different sizes and shaped objects. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty cool. It is cool. So it all kind it's of cool. If we were watching together. a toddler, we'd be instantly bored. But yeah. Because it's a robot, it's Like the early household robots that are like essentially like baby children that right. do various tasks for you, I'm uninspired by them. Like What's I, your favorite fictional robot? Uh, I was thinking about this. I don't know. Any what is yours? Do you have well, one? Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Was T2? there a robot in the Jetsons? 
Oh, yeah, that was the housekeeper robot. She was very benign. I like the killer robots. I'm, yeah. I'm into the killer robot. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's T2 was my favorite. And then the one that morphed into liquid metal. I forget, T3 or whatever. I liked all the Terminator robots because that's my vision of robots eventually. Yeah, it's interesting Wanting the way that robot. I, I was in Japan and I was interviewing a guy from Toshiba who makes mm-hmm. robots. Mm-hmm. And their robots are designed to look like human women. Oh, yeah. Um, well, what a surprise. And this is like the greeter robot. Yeah. And I... I was like, why are why are your robots women? Why you know why do they have names and are why they? Why are digital assistants all he women? Said that, Dan, um, I know it's going to come he, as a shock to you, but technology is a. He said that people are nicer to women. That people would be nicer to women robots okay. than if they, if it were a man giving them directions. They really? didn't like them. They would yell at them or something. Like huh? That. Interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Sure. I like a, a good German voice on any of my yeah. talking to <laughs> right. things. God, ton to ton now, ton ton. I like that, but um, I think we probably. Uh, humanize robots too much at some level they could be just machines that are just like a car yeah and i wonder if we'll get over that or not yeah no we have to make them in our image i think in a lot of ways but we're going to talk about that a lot now with an expert who actually makes robots and knows about robots we're just like riffing on things we're totally ignorant about and how they're going to change our lives or so we're told chris jones is the vice president of technology at irobot which as you know is the maker of the roomba and a number of other devices and it started off as a military a lot of military applications i recall if i recall we've had a lot of stuff in our history yes Exactly. Them, yeah. um, he's been with the company since 2005, which is a really long time to be at a company. Mm-hmm. Chris, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Great. So, thanks for having me. So talk about where iRobot is now. It, it did start off, the history was military applications. and Sure. So we've been around for 26 years at this mm-hmm. point. So uh, been around for quite a while, have been in a variety of industries. Um, originally spun out of MIT with the goal of getting robots out of the lab and into the real world. So part of our underlying kind of fabric or our culture is practical robots. So what can we actually do with technology today mm-hmm. that get robots to provide real meaning in, in people's lives? And that's taken uh, a number of guises over the years from commercial and industrial projects, some in, in defense and security, um, which has led us uh, to today where we are focused on robots for the home. So that's where 100% so where of our energy is going. So where are we with robots from the home? Because it seems yep. slowed down a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's... We thought they, this era would have robots, servants, and robot different things. Robots are, are a hard problem in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, I robots say... You don't care, Chris. You're the smart people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It, it, uh, job Ours security. Job too, security, <laughs> right? It's really hard. Yeah. Um, but, but seriously, you know, robots, to actually get a robot that can be practical, actually serve a task uh, in the world is a challenging problem. And, you know, we've had, uh, so you mentioned the Roomba, which we're we're well known for. It's been on the market for since 2002. Um, We've sold more than 15 million to date. You know, we're a leader when it comes to robots in the home. And we are continuing to try to push that boundary and get robots into more of our lives in the home to free us up from doing those dirty tasks that, that you guys were talking about. Uh, How have they evolved? Like the new ones, I think, can like see around your house or they make a map of it? So the newest uh, Roomba in particular um, is, is really a, a dramatic, introduces a, a number of new features for us. One is it cleans better than ever. So it, uh, for its core mission of vacuuming, it's heads and shoulders above past versions. But it's also connected. So it's a Wi-Fi connected robot, which makes it very easy to interact with the robot and, and uh, uh, schedule it and things like that. And B is it does. It, it understands your, the space in your home. It knows where it's been, where it hasn't cleaned, how to get back to the dock to recharge in the middle of a mission, um, which means that... What you call the missions still? 
a mission, yeah, a cleaning I love it. mission. Like a <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Get base, base, back to base. Yeah. So what that means is it can clean the entire level of the home, which is is of course very useful. You can set it loose; it'll clean fifteen hundred, two thousand square feet. Kind of go room to room down the hallway, around the corner. Um, when it needs to recharge, do a beeline back to the house to the charging station to recharge and then come back off the dock and go finish. And how are you improving your relationship with cats and dogs? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a, it gets smarter over time. So uh, I think it's uh, uh, very friendly these days in terms of it building Just that light rapport. Lasers. Yeah. Light yeah. lasers. <laughs> I mean, it takes some of the pressure off the pets, right? If right. it's, you know, scheduled, always cleaning, it's yeah. picking up the, the dog or the cat hair. So, yeah. you know, it means the... So, but, but still, we're, you're, it's a vacuum cleaner, essentially. It's a vacuum, the smart mm-hmm. vacuum cleaner. So what else is coming into the home? I mean, you can tell us if you're developing something else, but what do you see happening? Because that's, that's a vacuum cleaner. Really. Yep. It, so feels, it feels like we haven't moved past, past vacuum cleaner, really yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. It, it's it, taking one step at a time with vacuums. We also have a line of mopping robots, which is also exciting. It's, mm-hmm. you know, in that same category, but mm-hmm. able to take on a little bit more of the work in the home, mopping the kitchen or the bathroom, places you don't necessarily want to spend your time, mm-hmm. you know, down scrubbing the floors. So those are, are very exciting products that are just coming onto the market for us now. Um, but looking forward, and, and as kind of a, a technologist at iRobot, I'm really excited by this ability to navigate the home. So this latest Roomba, while it is a vacuuming robot and does a very good job at that, this new technology for a consumer product that lets it navigate the home is a very enabling capability. So what could you it start, do? Me- so if you start thinking about other types of robots in the home, being able to navigate is kind of a... A, a precursor, kind of a foundation to opening up a new market. So, um, you know, nothing specific to talk about today, but, you know, it's very intentional for us to move into navigating connected robots in the home. Um, in particular, as we look forward to um, our role in the broader connected home ecosystem. So we're, we're kind of at the first stages of this, but you can imagine the unique place robots have in the home. So they're, example, like it, you'd be pontificating. Uh, there, if I have to pontificate forward, you know, you can imagine a robot is mobile. It's a, a sensor platform, let's say, could be measuring temperature in the home. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the fidelity of essentially a temperature map of the home that could be very useful in helping to optimize your HVAC system. Um, being able to track humidity levels around the home, to be able to know where this part of this room is, has an unusually high humidity you might want to take a look at. So that mobile sensor platform aspect of it means it's kind of moving, able to move throughout the home to do more for you. Uh-huh. And because it knows where it is through these maps that it's building, it can really provide a lot of useful information into that ecosystem of kind of emerging connected devices in the home. So, so I'm, still, I'm still hearing stuff that requires, that's basically just like being on the floor. I'm yeah. not hearing like, Walking we're going to fold your laundry or we're going <laughs> to clean the dishes. It sounds like that's still fairly far off or we're going to cook for you. It's certainly not something that escapes our attention, but as a, we've been in a lot of industries over the time, and as I was saying, it's, we know how hard it is to build robots. It takes, it, it's to have a robot that will operate in the arbitrary person's home anywhere in the world that doesn't require a tech expert to unbox it and set it up and configure it, that just, like the Roomba, you take it out of the box and you press clean. That's all that we ask um, to do that. So we do believe 
the ability to manipulate the environment, to physically interact in the environment with a robot arm or an arm and a hand to do things like, you know, the list is endless from laundry to dishes, et cetera, is certainly the types of things that we envision for the role robots can play in the home in the future. It's a matter of getting technology that's robust enough, that's cost effective, and they can actually deliver that real value. So, so there are a lot of technical challenges, but these are the, the types of things so looking So fictionally, forward. we get better versions of robots. I mean, as how, has that affected that, how people look at it? Because I, mean, I can just think in one single Iron Man, they do lots of things. They do everything. And yeah, they, they, they do them well and very useful. It's something you'd want it, to have happen. You know, it's great. Fictional robots are very inspiring, paints yeah. that picture, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways, the value that they can provide. But, you know, when you, you get down to brass tacks and how do you actually build and design these things, it's, it's a challenging problem. Is to anything in those fictional depictions even possible? I'm not talking about he points his finger and the suit comes on to him. That's <laughs> insane. But... Uh, there are bits and pieces here and there. You know, I kind of say, you know, where we're at with having a, a consumer robot that can know where it is indoors is state of the art. Yeah. You know, is a is something that's been in kind of the research labs and university settings for a number of years. We've had it in, you know, higher end commercial products for a number of years. But getting it reduced to a consumer product price point and level of robustness is is the front of the pack. It, that's a you know, may not stack up against the movie's depiction of robots, but when it comes to building practical robots, something we know, you know, very well, that's very exciting. But it's, uh, you know, there's a lot more to come with robots, and that's where we are today. So meanwhile, right now, we're starting to see people get comfortable with the idea of talking essentially to a machine as, mm-hmm. as an assistant. Um, they can't actually do anything physically for you yet, but is connected to the internet, to yeah. some of your other devices. How does that help? What is that kind of, uh, and I'm speaking specifically of like the Amazon Echo or Siri, what changes do you think that's leading to? I mean, I think it's great. I mean, it's a solid enabler for a lot of robotics technologies. It reduces that friction for, you know, the potential friction for the consumer to interact with the robot. It provides another way for folks to interact with their robot. I mean, we see today, you know, just this latest Roomba is our first connected consumer product. And the way that a mobile app just makes it so easy for people to, you know, tell the robot to clean or schedule when the robot can run. We've seen, you know, dramatic improvement in the way people are able to interact with their robots. And when you're starting to see things within the kind of collective smart home or connected home ecosystem, including voice interaction types of technologies, it's going to make robots be that much more accessible. Um, when they're paired with that ecosystem of the other devices in the home. And is your thinking to try to work with as many of those products as possible, or do you want to build your own monolithic iRobot version of that too? Instead? Yeah, we're, we're in, the, in the first days of us getting into this, and we're certainly looking very closely at all the opportunities we have through, through partnerships and, and other ways that we can go forward. So, you know, I think there's some exciting times uh, ahead in terms of how robots within that broader connected home ecosystem play out. So in that genre, you know, this rising tide of artificial intelligence discussion, and again, we had Elon Musk at the code conference set off a lot of discussion about that. Again, Mm -hmm. it's something that's been around for 50 years, so it's not not a new thing. But can you explain the difference between AI and robotics and then what the stuff at Google and Facebook and Apple are developing, or is that different, or and what's the role it plays in robotics? I I mean, I think they're related, you know, when... um, 
just the ability for a robot to navigate around the home, to understand where it is in the space, to be able to re-recognize when it, you know, goes throughout the home and comes back to somewhere it's been before and visually be be able to see that, to not be dumb, is artificial intelligence. That's a very practical, grounded aspect of it, but it's something that historically has been part of the general AI field that is now now being kind of reduced into practice. I think a lot of the, the things you see kind of in the non-robotics areas, whether it's image processing, you know, natural language uh, understanding, things like Amazon Echo and Siri and things like that, those are all things that have kind of percolated up through the AI field that are now kind of finding their sweet spot, an area where they can really provide some value. So it's all related. Robotics kind of tends to be where things get grounded out, right, where they actually see very clear implications to product potential, um, which is exciting. And I think for for us, you know, just a little bit unique about robots, you know, actually working in the real world versus, I don't know, online, you know, image processing to sort your Presumably the idea is to marry the two of them. And create a, a frightening yeah, prospect it, or a great no, one, no. or a great one. Cre- create, you know, again, it's ground them out into kind of that, that real value proposition for, for robots in the home. And it's, you know, robots are kind of unique in the sense that they're mobile. They're physically interacting in the real world. They have to operate in a certain degree of timeliness. They have to operate in kind of those arbitrary conditions uh, um, out there. And they have to work, right? If you, yeah. you can't put something on a robot and say, well, you know, it's going to work, you know, 90% of the time, which might be okay for, you know, uh, one of the voice uh, Yeah, if Siri activated. doesn't get your thing. Yeah, it's like she can ask, you know, repeat yourself or tell you she doesn't understand. But for a robot that's making kind of control decisions about, you know, what it's doing um, to, to accomplish its task, it needs to really work. Yeah. And that's, so that's really that where that challenge? core challenge is. Yeah. Is that the one of the, what are the big challenges in robots? Yeah, what, what's the hardest problem you're solving Materials? right now? You've said robots, robotics is hard, but what's, yeah. what are the actual specific things you're trying to solve? I, I mean, so concretely kind of from our history you know it may be surprising but it's the fact that you know just something like the Roomba that can physically move around the home and not get stuck not get wrapped up in your uh you know your carpet tassels um, be able to get over thresholds between rooms and to do all that very robustly and have you know again be delivered at an appropriate uh, price point took a long time you really start to learn how hard it is Human, humans are underrated and their yes, ability they to cross are, the yeah. threshold. <laughs> so just that physical mobility, you know, took a lot of, you know, a, a lot of learning being on the market for 14 years with this type of product. There are all sorts of little tricks and tweaks and lessons learned along the way to make that robust, which took a long time. We've kind of gotten over that hurdle. Like we now have a very robust mobility platform. And this next step is that that navigation, the ability for the robot to know where it is in the home, to be able to get from point A to point B. You kind of take that for granted outdoors with GPS, but indoors, you don't get what about materials? Like GPS. Still metal? Yeah, I mean there are you know manufacturing innovations, some material innovations, you know rapid prototyping that helps in the development process. That's certainly been been uh, enabling. But I would say that you know the cusp of the set of um, challenges that we're starting to overcome now, and you're you're going to start seeing a lot more benefits come to robots from it, is this pairing of connectivity with this ability to understand the spatial environment around the robot, build maps, and be able to navigate in the home. Those two things paired together, I think, are going to open up a new kind of window of, of but it's still, capabilities. But it's still a mechanical, home. metal, kind of, it's not a cybernetic, you know what I mean? You don't see that happening. <laughs> there, there will all, I think well, for, for robots, there, there will always be that? that electromechanical bits. Right, know? but is, are there experiments going on in making them more human-like or not? 
who cares? Uh, you know, we, we're focused on solving practical problems. So right. there are a lot of endearing things you can do with robots, just the right. beeps and their little movements that, yeah. that actually people really are drawn to. You can see that in it, it's happened across, you know, just in our experience of robots across various industries, yeah. but particularly for Roomba or our home robots as well, is people name their robots. Sure, they get like close they, to they, them. It's not that they're, you know, anthropomorphic. No, they, they love they their device. But they, I would they have marry some, my phone if I could do <laughs> yeah, it. If it was they have some California. type of an attachment to it. And, you know, it's we, we let people name their robots in the new Roomba's app. Yeah. And people do that. So it's very, it's interesting to see, you know, that level of attachment that just. Yeah, I'm know. pissed I can't name my Alexa another name. I, I want it like Barbara or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What, uh, I have a question. What, we're get to questions. How, how much of this information do you store and and centralize like yes, do you the store the map issue. of my house and so today and we take you know privacy and security very seriously today that information is used by the robot on the robot the map of the home etc do not leave the robot they're used for the robot to effectively perform its task now we're looking for those opportunities where providing putting those robots into uh, integrating into the broader connected home ecosystem there might be some some valuable capabilities that could be had realized by the consumer by providing some of that information with their permission to other devices in the home. And that's the area we're exploring, you know, again, with privacy and security up front, and it will all come with the permission of the consumer. But today, all of that is, it does not leave the robot. Well, someday it will. I feel like Jeff Bezos is listening constantly in my yeah. home. I, <laughs> I don't think there's that much interesting for him to hear, though. In a minute, we're going to hear some questions from our readers and listeners that Chris is going to answer. But first, today's show is brought to you by SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company that's helping people get out of student debt faster. Refinancing student loans with SoFi saves members on average $19,000. SoFi even partners with companies to help pay off employees' loans. See how SoFi can help you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. Every week, we ask our readers and listeners to send in their questions, comments, and complaints about tech topics. And you can do that by tweeting to us at hashtag too embarrassed. This week, we asked our listeners for their questions about robots and also their opinions about what they would want to see in robots of the future. Dan, do you want to read the first question for Chris? Yes. Uh, it comes from Seth Kroll, who asks or says, I'd love to hear more about soft robotics. And he adds... George Whitesides, Rob Wood, Connor Walsh, etc. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it doesn't mean anything to us. That means something to me. Okay. Awesome, right. awesome question. What is and, it? And awesome awesome question. technology. <laughs> uh, so there's, you know, a very interesting, you know, kind of line of research that's primarily in academia, but starting to kind of trickle out into some some applications where robots are trying to be made with innovative materials that make them soft. Mm -hmm. So what that can ultimately kind of mean is if you want to imagine a a robot that might be in the home and helping you do your dishes someday, today a lot of robot arms and hands are metal and they're very strong. There's been fuzzies. What are they? I forget what they were called. There was one that the guy from YouTube was investing in. It was a robot that was soft. I'm not sure I knew that. It's almost like a play toy. Okay. But this is, you know, if you want to move, you're not going to have a big, strong metal arm and metal pincer right Mm -hmm. on a robot that's going to help you do your dishes in the home. But what you can do is start to be innovative in the way you use materials. And instead of using, you know, rigid metal links, you might have inflatable links. You can actually make very strong inflatable structures. The tire on your car is an inflatable, right? So you can make very strong members, uh, structural members out of inflatable materials that, you know, can also be 
compliant. So you reduce the internal pressure of that inflatable part in it. If it makes contact with, you know, your countertop, it will just kind of buckle or fold. Huh. The same thing might be with hands where you might have innovative materials. Maybe they're inflatable. Maybe they have other types of materials uh, being used that are very soft. So when you want to pick something up, it's got a soft grasp and it kind of conforms to the object you want to pick up, which gives you both very strong grasps like you really have a solid grip on something Mm -hmm. but it's also very soft right it's not a metal pincer that's you know metal contacts trying to really just hold something it's It's going to crush the life out of something for example so soft robotics is a field that you know in general is looking at those innovative materials or innovative ways to actuate robot arms and hands that are very capable but also can be very soft around the face too is there will be more of that i'm sorry around the face will that create you know it's not a material but it's a look do you see that happening? The face of like a robot, anthropomorphic robot. Yeah. types of robot faces could be. I've I mean, seen them. I, I, they're made out of some sort of plastics. And yeah, I think there there's you know a lot of interesting stuff there trying to mimic the way or mirror the way people all the it's muscles hard. in people's faces and so on that having that. I saw that one at MIT. They said that the eyes is always the problem with the robots. Yeah, eyes and no, they can't you know, ever get the eyes right. They can get provide everything else. a lot of cues to you yeah. know where is someone looking. That kind of is a very important nonverbal cue. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just need good sunglasses. Exactly, but the yeah. eyes. That's what this really <laughs> geeky player, person yeah. at MIT was like. It's perfect except for the eyes. I nah. can't get the eyes. And I was like, you're freaking me out. Um, all right, next one from Neolanch Itcon. How can process automation and bots be used for farming? Any relevant studies, debates, points of view? Do you see farming being innovated by robotic processes? I mean, I think so. I mean, there's, you know, again, the way robots can be used to collaborate with human labor to, you know, improve efficiencies, to be more gentle, let's say, on picking crops and so on, ways you can deliver you know, this is not not a field that iRobot is in, but the ways robots can be used to be more precise or deliver precision, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, medication or, you know, fertilizer in a way that's not kind of just, you know, broad application. It's very, can be very much more directed. Even, you know, air vehicles, small air vehicles or drones are used, being used in agriculture to help monitor crops and, and really understand at the micro level what's happening to make things more more efficient and effective. So, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting technology and robotics machines uh, in in general that are uh, able to help out in the uh, kind of the farming space. A side question I would ask to that is, I mean, the, there have been farming machines for a long time. This is not a new thing. When What is a robot as opposed to just like a machine that does a task? When does it become a robot? Good question. I think it's a very fuzzy line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, you know, you look at your car today, you know, is that a robot or, you know, there's a, that car is doing a lot of things on its own from anti-lock braking to, you know, driver assist functions, lane keeping, et cetera. So there's a, a gradual fuzzy line there as to, mm. you know, how machines can essentially help make the people in control better, right? Make them more well, effective or efficient. quite easily. Yeah, manufacturing, automotive, you know, farming will be the same thing where it's a What other it's areas, gradual shift. industries will be affected, do you think? Uh, I mean, I think you're you're seeing a lot of interesting things in in the industrial space. It's been around for a long time, but they're evolving. Hotels was something people told me. Room service delivery and things. Could like be. That. There, I mean, there are a lot of interesting applications that companies are starting to probe at and, and see what the, the market value might be. And, and like I said earlier, one of our kind of core tenants is being practical. And, you know, for us, it's 
if today focused on the home, it's really looking at other applications for robots in the home where robots can be used to value. So right. I think we've we've just scratched the surface in the ways that robots can really help, you know, essentially empower people to do more with their own time, right? Yeah. Take some of those tasks away so they can do uh, spend their time in other ways that they would prefer. Well, we're asking for suggestions for what future in-home robots would do. And <laughs> someone said, all my chores. That was Joanne Friedman. Uh, <laughs> but I guess the question is, what comes after vacuum? And we've, we've started to answer that, but maybe not even something you're working on. But what do you think would be one of the next things that, in terms of actual Lawn tasks, mom. people will be able to get done around the house? It's yeah. stuff that's very close to the floor or... Because of gravity or what? I mean, I think there are interesting opportunities around the home, whether it's in the lawn or inside the home, whether it's cleaning or non-cleaning types of things. You know, but one I, I would emphasize, and this is you know, kind of the, the direction that we we're saying we're just starting to push on is, you know, might be a little surprising. It's robots being used to help the connected home ecosystem be more valuable to the consumer. Today, in the connected home, it's a lot of individual devices with connected. individual apps. It's not usable. It's very hard. You're not realizing this vision of the smart home, right, that you really want mm-hmm. because of this. And we think that robots, connected robots in the home, can play a real value to help provide that understanding of the space. It can help stitch or orchestrate all of those devices to get closer to providing that that smart home experience, that that smart home vision that we kind of all have in the back of our mind. So when you say but the next how, role by of mapping the house or by just moving around it and so again, you know what I was saying for it's, what's out of place or something like that. <laughs> so again, you know it. it it could be things like I was mentioning, understanding the temperature profile through the home to help make your HVAC system more efficient or effective. Mm-hmm. It could be helping you set up solutions that provide efficient but convenient lighting throughout the home. So only turning lights on where you are and turning them off where you're not without having the consumer having to set up a lot of motion detectors and lights, but helping to provide that understanding of the space, where are the rooms you know, Dan wants a cook. That's what a he cook, wants. yeah. Wants cook. Oh, I love cooking. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Well, maybe uh, a chopper. Like chopper, a, yeah, or something like that. <laughs> chop the, you can chop buy that chopped. Probably at could. Most, <laughs> many places now. The last question is from at Gabe Er. I think it's at UHR. Are BattleBots a cruel form of robot slavery? It's a topic a lot of people talk about is whether, you know, I think there was that video that went around, the Google video, where they were mean to the robot, and everyone got super, I got super upset, like, stop beating up on the robot, and then the robot was going to go kill their family, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. There was something implied there that was disturbing. Yikes. And, and Google <laughs> got out of that business, too, it got out of the robot business. And could you talk a little bit about why Google would get out of it? And secondly, is there a cruelty towards these machines? Is there, or are they just machines? Should we care? Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't know specifically about Google's plans and so on, but in general, you know, the things like BattleBots, you know, I kind of put in the camp of they're great avenues to help educate kids, to help educate people on, you know, how to think about, build, deal with these types of robots. It's been a great venue for kids, right? Get them excited about technology, about electromechanical bits, about the software bits, how to mm-hmm. think about you know, what a robot is and how might you control it and interact with it. So from that direction, I think they're very valuable in the sense of getting, you know, especially a younger generation engaged and excited about robots. We certainly have a lot of well, employees the robotics competition that yeah, who, came have, who have kind of come into the robotics field because of seeing these types of things that is, has really it, it, kind of the captured their imagination. The best use of robots beating each other up and, or playing sports or, I mean, is, is there a thing as a bill of rights? For, I mean, because I did feel bad for that robot. I'm not sure why, because it was just a robot. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it'll be an interesting question for us going People forward. Will, I think will get upset yeah. by abusive robots. Yeah, which yeah. will be interesting. Are you ever upset? Do you ever hit your robot? I never hit my robot. Okay, no. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I do think it's going to be a bigger deal. People f- start to affiliate with them because they're more human than a phone or something. I mean, I will say again, people naming their robots. People yeah. do get attached. Our defense robots, people would name them and really have that physical attachment. Absolutely. So, yeah, people are funny. All right, Chris, you've been a great guest. Before we go, we're going to let you play a game that we sometimes do on this show called Too Embarrassed to Answer. We're going to ask you three questions about recent tech news. If you get at least two right, you win a lovely recode hat with an old logo with a slash in it, so it's a collector's (laughs) item. Dan, why don't you ask the first question? Sure. A report in Politico, independently confirmed by Recode, said a major tech company will not support this year's Republican National Convention due to its objections to Donald Trump. Chris, which tech company... Is it Microsoft, Apple, or Facebook? I think that's Apple. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. Also, ding, is ding, Donald ding. Trump a robot from the future? <laughs> yeah, no comment. Okay. <laughs> All right, next one, Dan, go ahead. On Monday, Twitter announced it had bought a machine learning company that specializes in image recognition. I imagine that's a, something that's stumping your team as well from time to time. That company had an unusual name. Was it Magic Pony? Sparkly Unicorn or Tiny Stallion? Hmm, I think that was Magic Pony. Ugh, oh, correct. all right. He wins correct. the hat. All right, so we can just well, stop now, right? Let's see if you go right? for three for three. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and finally, legislators in the state of New York have voted to impose a $1,000 fine and possible jail time on people who do which of the following? Is it taking flash pictures inside a restaurant or bar, buying and selling live event tickets using a ticket scalping bot, or listening to music on public transit without headphones plugged in. I have no idea. It should all be illegal, every one of them. Yeah, yeah right. all of the above. Is that a D? No. No. Try to guess one. Music uh, without headphones on public transport. Nay, you are oh. incorrect. Live tickets. It's the Hamilton rule, I think. Uh. You can't do that. <laughs> all right, you do win the head anyway. And Chris, thank you so much for coming. And it'll be interesting to see where robots go in the future. Great. Thank you for having me. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And subscribing is great. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, or Stitcher, or listen to every episode at recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. And just a quick reminder that on Recode Replay, we have the audio of every interview from the 2016 Code Conference. All of them are free, and actually the one that is getting a lot of plays, Elon Musk, is talking about robots and AI and all kinds of issues. Dan, if you had to pick just one, which one should people listen to first for you? For me, i go Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Nice. Well done. It was a good one, too. There's plenty of others, such as John Podesta, who's Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, Nick Denton of Gawker, which is in a little bit of trouble. TMZ one was excellent. TMZ with Harvey Levin. There's all kinds of them. And then uh, I thought... Cheryl uh, Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg. And Susan Desmond Hellman, who is the head of the Gates Foundation. She was talking about the Zika virus and how dangerous it is and how people going to the Olympics may have to think about having sex ever again. Just big topic, I think. Anyway, um, if Lauren were here, she would remind you that The Verge also has some great podcasts for your listening pleasure. Walt Mossberg and Neelai Patel co-host Control, Walt Delete. 
Neelai also hosts The Vergecast, Chris Plant hosts What's Tech, and Liz Lapato and Emily Rashido host Verge ESP. And don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed, and we'll answer them on a future show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Chris from iRobot. And thank you again to all our sponsors, Audible and SoFi. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. I'll be back next week with Recode's Mark Bergen to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. Tune in then.